So we're talking about the gospel, the good news, the best news, uh, literally, that's ever uh, come to earth, has hit our ears. And I've been really excited about um, this next kind of phase of our journey as we talk about the good news of the gospel, because we uh, are in desperate need of it as we've prayed, as we've, as we've prayed, and as we've um, talked about today, and I'm sure many of us, if we put together our combined knowledge of what's happening around the world, we would just, we could grow hopeless. We could realize that the world is sick, the world is broken, the world is in need of good news, transformative news, news that promises redemption and renewal and reconciliation and peace and healing. Uh, The world is desperate for it. So we're talking about the good news and... um, I want to review real quick, okay, where we've been and where we're going. Because first we talked about the good news is big news. It's this big news story. It's a story that's bigger, uh, bigger than us. It's bigger than our time in history. It's bigger than the world. It's part of God's redemptive story that he's been weaving all, throughout all time. Creation. He speaks the world into existence and says it is good. Right? And there's shalom. There's wellness in all directions. There is peace and flourishing. And human creativity is just allowed to go unchecked. But then, of course, humanity rejects God as king and decides rather than be God-centered, says we want to be self-centered. We want to be on the throne, not God. And so they reject God as king. And we have the fall, right? And brokenness and pain uh, enter the world, decay and death become what drives our anxiety, what drives our life, what motivates us to live. And so right in that moment of the darkest moment in human history, I love this, that God speaks hope into that darkest moment at the fall. In Genesis 3.15, he speaks a word of hope. He said, there's one that will come. See, God doesn't turn his back on humanity at that moment. He turns his face towards humanity, and he says, there is one that will come that will make all these wrong things right. There is one that will come that will reverse the curse of sin and death and decay and will renew all things. And so he begins to redeem the world. He begins to go on mission and call humanity back to himself. And so he, he chooses Abraham, a people, Israel, and they are to be God's light. They are to be God's hope to the world and to invite the nations in and to be a picture of God's wholeness and healing and justice and mercy and shalom. But they reject God. They continually stray away from that. So God takes us another step for, toward them and says, here's the law. Here's signposts of freedom to walk in and to live in and to shine as a light and to live as a whole society. And they reject him. And so then he sends the prophets, takes another step towards them and he sends the prophets and he says they say come back come back to God come back live the life you were meant to live and they reject them they kill them and ultimately he comes himself as Jesus fully God fully man to redeem the world and to save the world to bring to deal with the problem of sin to deal with the problem of death and then we have restoration where all wrong things will be made right. Are you guys hot? All right, it's going to get loud, but I'll put it on here. Better to be cool. I guess you're either going to be distracted by the heat or distracted by the noise, so we're good. So 
That's the big story. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And, and we're still yet to see the full restoration, but Jesus is currently at work in the world, making all things new, working through his people, through the church, to reflect his kingdom of love and justice and shalom. And one day he will return and make all wrong things right finally. We'll reverse the curse completely. Uh, there will be no more death. There will be more, no more decay. There will be no more violence and injustice. But all will be made well and right. All right, so that's a big story. The good news as big story. And then we talked about the good news in one word, right? And this is an easy one. What's the gospel in one word? Louder. Come on, I want to hear it, man. Jesus. Jesus. There you go. Jesus. The gospel in one word is Jesus. This is really good news. Do you know what God looks like? Do you want to know what God is like? Do you want to know how God responds to the sinner and to sin? Do you want to know how he responds to the arrogant and to the poor alike? Look at Jesus. Do you want to know what the unknowable God is like? Look at Jesus. It's good news because the unknowable God looks like Jesus. This is the best news you could ever hear. Gospel in three words last week. Jesus is Lord. Not only is he our Savior, but we actually don't accept Jesus as our Savior. We accept him as our Lord and we get him as Savior. See, Jesus is Lord. He has the power and authority to do what he says he will do. He has the power and authority. He is the rightful ruler of this world, of all creation. And he has the power and authority to make all wrong things right. He has the power and authority to make all things new. He has the power and authority to bring about the new heavens and the new earth. He has the power and authority to break us of our, break our addictions and bring healing to our life, bring wholeness to our minds and wholeness to our hearts and wholeness to our relationships. Jesus is Lord is the gospel in three words. And I want to sh- remember why we're doing this. We're about to go into the gospel in 30 words. It's going to get a little more intense, but it's going to be good. The gospel, we are talking about the good news because, why? Because I want us to know it and believe it. We all need to grow in deeper awareness of the good news. We need to be shaped by the good news and lean on the good news and be transformed by the good news. So we need to know it and understand it. But the next thing is we need to be able to share it because the world is desperate for it. And so this week, what does it look like to share the gospel in in three words? Jesus is Lord. I got two opportunities this week, both of them on the way to Walmart with a neighbor. I'm given a ride. And uh, yesterday I'm given a ride to uh, one of our neighbors and we're talking, and all of a sudden, I'm trying not to give away the gender of the neighbor, so it's just like totally ambiguous. But the neighbor says, Jesse, what do you do when demons are attacking you? I'm like, whoa. All right? And in that moment, I, she's like, I, I feel like demons are, are he or she, um, are, 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 are coming after me, are, are, are attacking me, are are telling me to do bad things, and I some days feel good, but other days I just can't get rid of the thought. I can't get rid of it. And in that moment, I like, you know, a little tinge of fear, kind of went, what are we, well, okay, what are we dealing with? What are we dealing with here? And I had to remember in that moment, and thankfully, um, the Holy Spirit brought to my heart and my mind, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And that's what I need to hear in this moment, and that's what this, this person, our neighbor, needs to hear in this moment. And so I, I said, first, I said, we've never talked about this, but what, 
do you, what do you think of Jesus? Like, do you trust in Jesus? Have you, what's your relationship with Jesus? And she, and she, she said, she said, um, yeah, I, I, I believe, you know, he died for my sins and I've asked him for forgiveness and I've asked him into my heart and I do that a lot. And, and, and so, yeah, I do. And I said, well, that's, that's good. I said, but you know, he's not only our savior. What's awesome. He's not only forgiven you of your sins, but because he died and because he rose from the dead, he's Lord. That means he has power and authority over everything you're experiencing in your life. And I said, you know what? I believe if you are a follower of Jesus, that, that those demons can't be inside of you. Uh, they, they actually don't have any power over you. They only have the power that you let them have, that you believe in what they're saying, but don't listen to them because they actually have been defeated. Jesus is Lord over these voices that are attacking you. And he's Lord over every problem that you experience. And so that's why what it looks like to proclaim the gospel and to share the gospel. Jesus is Lord over that situation. And he's Lord when someone's having a marriage issue or not getting along with their brother or sister or friend or neighbor what do you say? You proclaim Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He can bring reconciliation to this relationship, even though it seems hopeless. Even though, you know, your spouse cheated on you, Jesus is Lord, and so it's not hopeless. So that's what it looks like to proclaim good news into the midst of real, the real world. And today, Jesus is Lord. We're going to look at the gospel in 30 words which, again, it's not a different gospel. It's good, getting at the multidimensional beauty of the good news that we have in Jesus. And I'll tell you right up front, I am influenced and borrowing heavily from uh, a guy named Bruxy Cavey. He wrote a book called Reunion. You can read it. Um, I thought I was going to plagiarize him a lot more, but actually I've been going off script a bit more, which is good. But he uh, definitely... His approach is one I am resonating with. And these 30 words he came up with. And here is the gospel in 30 words that we're going to look at over the next few weeks. Jesus is God with us. Come to. Show us God's love. Save us from sin. Set up God's kingdom. Shut down religion so that we can share in God's life. Now we'll explain these things in the coming weeks and what we mean by them. But this is the gospel in 30 words. This is not a formula. This is not a magic incantation. You don't spit this out and people are saved. You know, it's not even full and complete. All right? It is, it is an attempt to get at the multidimensional facets of the good news that we are that the, it unpacks some of the benefits and the fullness of what it means to follow Jesus as Lord. You can further. So this is really more to um, have an internal. This isn't something necessarily you would share with someone. You may, but it's it's more an internal kind of rolodex or file cabinet that you've got places or hooks to hang different aspects of the good news on as you're talking with people or as you're going through your own life and trying to remember what is this good news that I believe in, that I um, am basing my life on. So 
to break it up in three kind of categories, you've got Jesus is God with us, is the ground of the gospel, the foundation of the gospel from which we are building the rest. These, the ground of the gospel leads to him showing us God's love, saving us from sin, setting up God's kingdom, and shutting down religion, which are the gifts of the gospel. So you have the ground of the gospel, and you have the gifts of the gospel, and then you have the goal of the gospel. Where is this all headed? Why has Jesus come? So we can share in God's life. We can share in the life and the wholeness of God, that we can be in communion with God as we were created to be, here and now and into eternity. See, the good news is good news for now and today and for this world and for this neighborhood and for your life now. And the good news, sharing in God's life is now. It's not just a distant hope. We're waiting for heaven. We're waiting for the rapture to escape this mess. But it is something that has entered into our world, entered into our lives, and can be shared in even now. So, that is the gospel in 30 words that we're going to unpack. It's not a formula, but it gives us different on-ramps to share and to believe and to trust and to know and understand what this good news is. So today we're going to talk about the ground of the gospel. Jesus is God with us. Jesus is God with us. All right, if you'll notice, you've got some handy dandy Bibles back there. If you want a hard copy of um, the Bible, I got all of these back there. So if you want to grab one or look it up on your phone, we'll also have the scripture on the screen. But Matthew 1, all right, Matthew 1, 20 through 23. This is a verse that's usually read during Christmas time. All right, and we'll revisit it in Christmas. Christmas is all about God with us. Christmas is all about this fundamental truth that Jesus is God with us. Now, here's the backdrop of this passage here. Joseph, all right, is engaged to a girl that he likes a lot named Mary. All right, they're young. Mary's much younger than him, probably. Not too much younger, but... She's a young woman, probably 15, 14, 16, we don't know, but she's young. They're engaged to be married, and all of a sudden, before the wedding, she gets pregnant. This is bad, right? The whispers, the rumors are going through the village, and Joseph is freaked out because he wants, he's a good man, and he wants to protect Mary's reputation, but he's not really buying the whole, like, I'm pregnant, but I didn't you know, do anything, thing. And so he's like, yeah, right. Okay, like something happened and it wasn't me. So, and so he's, it says he's considering in the verses before putting her away silently and just saying, hey, let's break this thing off. All right, let's not make a big deal out of it. Let's not like put it on Facebook, but you're just going to be gone. All right, we're done. And then the angel comes to him in a dream. And this is what, an angel comes Oops. All right, there we go. As he considered these things, like, what am I going to do? I'm going to put her out. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. This is Isaiah. Behold, the virgin, the young maiden, 
shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. You hear that at Christmas. I think Linus, is Linus that shares it in the Charlie Brown movie? Charlie Brown Christmas? This is um, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is God with us. Joshua, Jesus is the Greek term for Joshua. So this is, he will save their people from their sins. And Joshua was an Old Testament hero that saved the people from occupation and and took, took the land. And now Jesus is a better Joshua. He will save his people from their sins. He is God with us. So the big fancy word for this is, are you ready for some, a theology lesson? You, you, most of you may know it, maybe not. Incarnation. Incarnation. There's a middle word in there that sounds familiar because when you get a, uh, you get huevo, uh, queso con carne. Queso con carne, what does that mean? Cheese with meat. So, forget the crudeness of this, but Jesus is God con carne. All right? Jesus is God with meat. Jesus is God with flesh. We talked about it last week. Sarks with, with the vulnerability, with the flesh and bone and blood and vulnerability and weakness, right? He comes and he takes on. He's fully God and fully man. Fully God and fully man. The perfect fusion, uh, this mysterious fusion of, of God and man. He is God in the flesh and he dwelt among us. And so, to understand this, there's, there's three, three uh, points I want to make, all right? Just like a good old-fashioned preacher here. You ready? Jesus is God with us. The incarnation means that God gets us. God is with us, and God is for us, not against us, all right? So let's look at that real quick. Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2 in Scripture here. I can even give you page numbers if you've got the Bible in the back. Hebrews 2, 14. God gets us, all right? God gets us. He understands us. Do you know how good it feels? You, you know how good it feels when someone understands you. Like, my mom's good at understanding me. Like, I feel like, like I can be dumb or um, say something I've, I've, I feel real insecure or stupid and I'm running it over my mind. And Like, I didn't mean to say that. And my mom's always one. I know what you meant. I get you. I understand you. And whether she really does or not, she convinces me. And Joanna does pretty good, but she doesn't always get me. She doesn't always get me. My mom's known me a lot more longer. So it feels good when, when someone gets you and they understand you. And, and what we're saying here is God gets you. God understands you intimately. And here's, here's how. All right? Verse 14 and we're kind of jumping in midstream. Since the children have flesh and blood, since we, all right, let's just go with we, have flesh and blood, the people God desires to save have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, Israel, and by extension, us. For this reason, he, Jesus, had to be made like them, humanity, fully human in every way, 
in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Now, there's a lot to unpack there. We're not going to unpack it all, but you can see part of some of the 30 words in there. Right? Some of the gifts of the gospel are in there, but we're talking about the foundation, the ground of the gospel. He was made human in every way, fully human in every way, in order that he might become merciful. And then in verse 18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. The ground of the gospel is that Jesus, God, through Jesus, gets us. He understood us understands us. So I think what this is saying, temptation and suffering seem to be linked in a lot of ways. That when we are suffering, we are often prone to temptation. There's a lot of temptation in suffering. And also, to be tempted is really a form of suffering. So that so that in suffering, for instance, let's say if you're suffering, you are likely to be tempted to different things, to meet your needs in ways that are not um, most healthy for you. If you are, let's say, one typical one that we might see around us a lot and even, yeah, very in our families and in our neighborhood is addiction, right? That someone is wounded, they've suffered greatly and they're suffering, they're tormented by the memory of this wound or this, this abuse. And so they're tempted to turn towards a substance to numb that pain, to escape from that pain, to forget it. And so then addiction comes and bondage to this substance occurs, right? So there's a lot of temptation within suffering. That In our suffering, we are tempted to different things. Also, temptation is a form of suffering. If you think about it, when you're really trying to resist temptation... When you're being led down a path that you know you should not go and you're resisting, but you want it or else it wouldn't be tempting, right? Like, it's not tempting unless you really, you want to go down this way. And so there's suffering as you resist that temptation, as you hold back, as you want to do maybe what, what you believe God has called you to do. So there's, there's suffering in the temptation. What this is saying is that Jesus was tempted and he's a... a For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So Jesus gets it. He gets you. He understands the temptation suffering thing. All right? He he is with you in that. He understands you. So my question here is, in what way are you suffering right now? What ways are you suffering emotionally, physically, How are you suffering? And what temptations are rising out of that suffering for you? It'll be different for all of us. But what are you being tempted toward to, to fill, to, to end that, put an end to that suffering using something that might be outside of what's best for you or what's God's best for you? How are you suffering? And how are you being tempted in the midst of that suffering? And as you think about that, and maybe something comes right to mind, Jesus gets you. He gets you in that. He gets you. He gets your anger. He gets your failures. He gets your tendon, 
the temptation for your mind to wander in all different directions. He gets, he gets you. Because he's been there. He's experienced it. He understands where pain can lead the mind. He understands where um, discouragement can lead us and where we're tempted to go. He's been tempted in every way to the greatest degree. But here's the cool thing. All right? God gets us. Jesus gets us. But, and he's been tempted in every way. But he didn't fall to the temptation. So not only does he get us, but he's, he can help us. He can be victorious for us. So here's, here's Hebrews 4, 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, this is Jesus again, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize, another translation says sympathize, with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. You say, Jesus, God doesn't understand this. Yes, he's been tempted in every way. Just as we are, yet he did not sin. Therefore, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is awesome. This is such good news. This is good news. This is really good news. Okay, because... God in Jesus is with us. He understands us. He gets us, right? But he did not sin. And the bad, bad news in the situation would be Jesus gets us. He understands like it, that what it's like. But he was victorious. He didn't sin. And so what's your problem? Do better. Do better, human. You failed. I didn't fail. What's your problem? But that's not where he goes. He doesn't remove himself. Again, he doesn't turn his back on us. He turns his face towards us. Even though he's sinless, even though he was victorious, even though he was successful, 16, let us then approach, go to God, to the throne of grace with confidence. You can go to God with confidence. That's why we come to communion and we don't have to be like, oh, I sinned again, I shouldn't come here. No, that's why he died. That's why he shed his blood. That's why his body is broken for you. Come with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So Jesus come as God with us means that he gets us. He sympathizes with us. The word literally means to suffer alongside of. Sympathos, to suffer alongside. He knows what it feels like. And so he doesn't, just real quickly, he doesn't just know what it feels like for us to suffer, but he also knows what it feels like for uh, DACA recipients to suffer and for that to be torn from them. He knows the fear that it me- of, of being a refugee. Uh, he knows the suffering and the fear and the temptation that comes with the suffering. He knows the fear and the suffering and the temptation that comes with uh, the aftermath of hurricanes and in the midst of hurricanes, right? In the midst of suffering, we see temptation to all kinds of sin and to despair, right? I mean, we talk about price gouging and backstabbing and and all of this. Jesus sympathizes and he's there and we can draw confidently because look at Jesus was a refugee. He had to go to Egypt, right? Well, every two-year-old boy was slaughtered in search of him. He was a prisoner, wasn't he? Arrested. He was on death row. 
He was nailed to a cross. He was put on trial. He was hungry. He knows what it's like. He was tempted to take the throne through other means than than by the way of humble suffering. He was tempted towards violence and towards power rather than than the, the way of suffering. He gets us. He gets you. He understands. And He's with you. And that's good news. Because if He gets us all, He can save us all. If He gets us all, He can save us all. So, He gets us. Next, God is with us. All right? That's not it. God is with us. God is with us. God not was with us. God not will be with us. God is with us even now. So he doesn't just get us. He's with us. Like he's in the trenches with us. He locks arms with us. He is beside us. He is alongside us. He doesn't just get us and leave us. He's like, oh, I did the human thing for a little bit. I experienced it. See you later. Uh, It's a little too painful. Uh, Just call me when you need me. No, he's there. He's with us. And he continues to suffer with us. That's part of his thing, man. He continues to hurt with us. He continues to grieve with us. He's with us. Um, He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Right? He says in Hebrews 13, 5 through 6, it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. So if finances are bad or whatever is bad, Jesus is with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He's with us on mission. He said, right before he left, he says, go into all the world. All power and authority has been given to me. Go, proclaim the gospel, make disciples, um, teaching them, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And lo, what? I am, Matthew 28, with you always. He's with us on mission. Now, we all live in Albuquerque, right? We all live in Albuquerque. So there's some, there's some issues that Albuquerque has. There's lots of beauty. But there's also, you know, the highest uh, rate of car theft in the nation. Uh, I think it's one of the highest per capita uh, of, of police shootings in the nation. There's a lot going on. So we all live in Albuquerque. And many of us even live in this neighborhood that has a higher concentration of such things. And so he's with us on mission. He does not leave us or forsake us on mission. He's there when our benches get stolen, Dumas's. He's there when there's a drive-by shooting like there was two days ago right outside our house. And there's been one at uh, Dumas's as well. I saw the car go through the four-way stop. He's with us. He's with us when our our neighbors are, are screaming or when there's, or there's fights or whatever. He is with us. He's with us in it. And He's with us in our sinfulness. He's with us when we fail. He doesn't leave us when we mess up. In Romans 8.34, it says, Who is there to condemn? Who say, who's there to say, go to hell? No one. If you're in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So, this is the this is huge. What is Jesus doing now? What is he doing now? It says he's interceding for us. Interceding. He is 
with us. He is, he is with God the Father, and He is talking to God the Father about us. He is interceding for us. He is praying for us. He is with us. He's with us. He says, Mike, look at Mike, man. He's there. He's doing, he's teaching, and he's coaching football, and he's got uh, this family, and, and, and God, be with him. Be with him. Strengthen him. Be with Cheryl. Right? Be with Cheryl. There she is. She's struggling with this. He's with you. Be with Joanna. You know, she's feeling sick and she's feeling tired. Be with her. She's, or she's happy. Whatever. So she's, she's, she's with us. God is with us. Jesus is interceding for us. He's talking to God and he's with us on that journey. Like literally right now, Jesus is interceding for you. That's really good news. That's what it means for God to be with us. Last, all right, and this is a shorter point, so hold on here. Not only does God get us, because Jesus is God with us, he's with us, but he's also for us. He's not against us. I grew up with an idea that God pretty much, like, doesn't like me very much. Um, And he basically, he's not for me. Like, he's disappointed. He's angry. You're You're a sinner. You know, stop it. Stop it. He's angry with you. But he's for you, man. That's what I'm learning. He's for you. God with us means that he is for you, not against you. He's for you, not against you. Um, if you want to know, if you, I think if we think God is against us and he's, he has to turn away from a sinner and he can't be near sin, this is what we're told. I don't believe that anymore because I look at Jesus is that how Jesus is, Jesus is God with us? How did he respond to the sinner, to the sinful? Could he not be near the sinner and the sinful? Did he have to turn his face away? No, man. He turned his face toward them. He ate with them. Tax collectors and prostitutes and legalist jerks. He ate with sinners. He was with them. He turned his face toward them. He invites us to be with them. He's coming towards us. He's not turning us away. He's for us, not against us. He's been doing that. He's been taking the initiative for you throughout history for humanity. We talked about it already. God is for us when we fell and we messed it all up. And he's consistently taken steps towards us, turned his face towards us, taken initiative. I'll give you the law. I'll give you the prophets. I'll send my very own son. I am, and now he sends his spirit, and he's calling us to be here. He's calling us to, be, to love Jesus. And so here's the deal. I believe that the Holy Spirit is at work right now calling you. Like he's still for you. Like the reason you're here, why would you be here in this hot little building unless the Holy Spirit is with you, calling you? He's been at work in your life, your whole life. Think about it. He's been, calling, he's been convicting you and encouraging you and bringing you to Jesus. And you're here in this moment, and you're hearing the good news, the best news ever, ever shared. And it's all because the Holy Spirit is at work in you, and the Holy Spirit wants you and God is with you, and He's for you, and He wants to intercede with you, and He wants you to share in His life. This is why you're here. So the Holy Spirit is at work, and the Holy Spirit is at work 
in our neighbors. He's at work in our neighborhood. He is for us, not against us. He is with us. He gets us. Jesus is God with us. And that's good, good, good news. So let's respond to that in a couple a couple more songs. Again, you guys can, we're going to stand up. You guys can move around, whatever. I know we got kids. We're kid-friendly. You guys are doing great. Let's pray and uh, sing and respond to God who is with us in Jesus, even now. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that we would respond to you, God, with with worship and that you would touch our hearts with the significance and the depth of this good news that you are with us, that you get us, that you're for us and not against us. Lord, no matter what, we thank you for this good news. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can stand up. Let's respond or stay seated, whatever you want. Yeah.